never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you're letting us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Podcast, the show we chat about anything and everything. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and this week I am joined by Phil. Tag Tyler, you're it. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> How's it going, Phil? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, busy Monday to say the least, uh, but outside of that, I cannot complain whatsoever. Had a good relaxing weekend, spent it with friends, uh, kind of just on the chill side of stuff, uh, and today just just back at it again, another busy week, I think. Uh, I think mm. this is the last week of like insanity, and then hopefully next week can get back to a little normal, um, but outside of that, you know, everything's good. Uh, how was your weekend? Hey, well, first of all, I got to say, started building some Lego. Haven't done that in a while, as you know. You you monitor my channels. Yes. And I'm like, I haven't been producing Lego on my Palpatine Phil Instagram. So, anyhow, this weekend, I, I still haven't posted many pictures, but I uh, finished off a set that I've been working on for a while, and I threw on the It's Canon podcast. Hmm? <laughs> so... I'm happy to inform you, the audience can't see me right now, but I have some red sunglasses on to contain the laser beams <laughs> of Cyclops here. So <laughs> I'm uh, yep. I'm working on that. And I was sitting there waiting for my turn to jump into the conversation. I don't know how many times while listening back to the, you two guys go on and on. Well, who the heck is playing? Gotham Knights. <laughs> and I'm like, I am. Well, I, I did say, hold on. You did say. I did say. Phil, you didn't say me, but you said people who bought it on sale, which it. is how I got it. Yep, right? exactly. <laughs> so anyhow, I, I I appreciated that. And I, I just laughed out loud because I'm like, I would have been all over on that one. But yeah, it's it's been, I, I'm actually, I haven't let you guys really know or the audience, but I've been having a time playing games lately. Like, I'm playing a lot between the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Game Pass. You know, I haven't played it yet, but I downloaded Wulong last night. And I downloaded Atomic Hearts. I haven't played it yet, but those ones are all on Game Pass. So I thought, why the heck not? not? And I did watch the Sony State of Play. And I did have thoughts and feelings about what I saw with Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. And... The reason why the internet's upset and I can actually understand it is because it made every single superpower person like the best thing about the other games they made is that you felt like the superhero, you felt like 
I believe they did the Batman series, right? Yep. You felt like you were Batman. You had superpower or the powers of Batman. Whereas with um, the Suicide Squad, it looks like everybody just shoots a gun. Yeah. So it's kind of like between that and the whole game dynamic of always online and the micro transactions for everything. Uh, people are already poo-pooing on it, and I, I don't blame them because they're charging top dollar. So I, I'm, I'm just tired of it as a gamer. That you come after me, you raise the price of video games, which isn't the end of the world, but you raise the price, you make, you know, we wait so long for the game, and then we get it, and it's a microtransaction hell mm -hmm. with stuff like this. And then the developer just says, oh, well, we got it wrong. And then they walk away from the project like Square Enix is doing with the Avengers. And, you know, they already shut down the one for that godforsaken PS5 game that they just released like two months ago. They already dissolved the studio this week. <laughs> like, yep, exactly. How crazy uh, is that? Forspoken. Like, oh, my gosh, people. And you look at the other games, I forget, I didn't even hear of this one releasing, the Babylon game or whatever, the the the, the, the game where they just basically said at the end of full one year, we're folding up the whole online world. Like, we are abandoning the servers. Yep. It's a brutal state for top dollar games. I gotta say, it's one thing if you're free to play or whatever, like, you know, an idea like Fortnite is. And you walk away from the business model, but you never charged people. But even then, they invested in these packs. But, wow, man, tough sell. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. Like, yeah, the, the state of video games right now, just because there's so much money in it right now, there's so much attention towards it that, I don't know, it just seems like it's uh, a mess. Like, it's, it's really a mess, right? Like... Uh, there's just a lot of pressure on so many studios right now. Uh, and then, you know, I think everyone's just trying to avoid the cyberpunk situation and that, like, mm -hmm. release hell and things like that. But I don't know. It's 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 for sure something that we got to take a closer look at, right? Because some something, something, it's, it's weird right now. I don't know. The video game yeah, industry like right now is just weird. One company that's really confusing me, and I, I I know we might talk about it later or, or whatever, but I'll bring it up. Square Enix, right? Like, they're making moves to get rid of their CEO already. And you think, oh, Exhale, this is the guy that kept on talking about going down the road of NFTs. Yep. And who do they have coming in? His little protege, who they just brought in from another company, doesn't know the company at all. And basically, all of his previous work was about chasing down NFTs. So it's like yep. Square Enix appear to be making this leadership change and blaming the leader for all these failed title launches. You know, the only thing that they seem to get any traction on lately is Final Fantasy. Every that's other project bread is basically DOA. Yeah. Yep. That's look at Avengers, right? Yep. Like Square Enix exactly. doesn't There's, have. A lot of good luck outside of Final Fantasy and maybe a couple other games here and there, but even look at Tomb Raider and stuff, right? Yeah, well, they sold off Crystal Dynamics exactly. for a song. Exactly. Like the only they sold off Edios, who did the um, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy for them because that was a disappointing sales thing, and they sold those things for millions of dollars. So studios, and they included the property. 
They included yep. the game licenses. So these houses are going to get picked up, and then they're going to sit there. They already got picked up. They already got sold. They're going to keep on going with the franchise. I don't understand the business model. You're not even retaining the IP. So you're ditching the houses and the IP. I, I'm very confused about Square Enix as a company. I always have been. Even with the Final Fantasy games, I keep on trying to love them. But I just find that the wall is too high. The the garden wall on those games is a little bit tough for me to get my head around. It's just such a entrenched system. It is. It is. You know, like this new one looks interesting for the PS5, 16 or whatever, with the battle system. But I don't know. How many times do I have to sit here and talk to myself and go, oh, maybe I'll try this Final Fantasy version and then find out all the reasons why it's not for me. I'm going to sit back a little more in the armchair and look at this. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Until. Look, RPGs aren't for everyone, right? Like, they're mm -hmm. even the turn-based right, ones, right? Like, they're, like yep. they're just not for everybody, and that's okay. But, you know, the thing is, those games on paper often look very cool, very fun, and it's it just kind of like disappointing almost right well that you don't like them uh my nephew's the same way right like he'll play them but it's kind of like eh type of thing i uh, for me um, what i derive video gaming as is a pastime and yes. a pastime for me is is it's got to be action filled that's my that's my biggest check mark so when i'm playing a game if i have to sit there and read more than i have to interact so i'm reading a lot of stat screen i'm reading a lot of information having a tough time digesting it and there's no ability to change the font or the font size and things like that that they don't really consider where some houses do some video game houses are really good god well, of war ragnarok and stuff for sure really good about accessibility and that's that's but, also kind of like dependent on your on the laws on, on stuff right because like for example yeah. You know, here in Ontario, we have very strict accessibility laws that if you I, I don't remember whether you have to whether you're licensed here or what pay taxes here. I don't know what guidelines they use, but there are very strict accessibility rules, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's the wow. same with video games in California. They're very strict uh, in certain places, super strict. And in other places, it's not so much of an issue just yet. Yeah, I, I think it's in their best interest to give people options. And I'm not even talking about accessibility, controller, and things like that to those degrees, even though those are nice. I just want to be able to move the font around, especially if you're on a 4K display. And it comes up like the typeface is just itty bitty, itty bitty, itty bitty, going further and further away from you. <laughs> what game recently was like that? Uh, Cyberpunk. That was, but Cyberpunk you were, was a little bit of a mindful, yeah. Gotham Knights was a little like that at times. Can be, can be, but it's basically Gotham Knights. I'm finding more and more is just smash buttons hit people. Yep. So I'm happy with it. It's it gets like, repetitive oh, after a while. But you know what you're getting, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, why do you think I've been playing Forza Horizon 5? <laughs> it's like, know what's going on in there. Hey, once I know all about it, like, hey, Division 2. Yeah, I was in the stats. Yeah. I was sitting there figuring out armor sets and things like that. 
it ramped into it. These these RPG games don't do a very good job onboarding. The best one I've seen so far is like maybe Monster Hunter. That one's being pretty good at taking you from a smash buttons and then gradually increasing the level of complexity to the game or like Horizon, that type of thing, you know? Those types of games that become a little more RPG but action elements. So hopefully, hopefully Final Fantasy figures out a way to get to get couchers like me on board. Yeah, they, it, well, we'll see. We'll see. The thing is, like, they don't stray from their formula, right? So uh, it looks like they are a little bit in the a combat, little bit. So a little bit. We'll see what happens. So what have you been up to, dude? So busy with work. Honestly, it's been. Heads down with work. The little time I have, and I've been falling asleep so early just because of how busy I've been. I'm just exhausted by like 9, 10 p.m. I'll wake up. But that initial sleep happens so early right now. Um, but yeah, I, what have I been playing? I've been playing The Last of Us Part 1, the PS5 remake. That's been a lot oh. of fun. Um, yeah. Spending a lot of time there revisiting resident evil village that's been good too uh what else have i been playing gotta look over that's it for now yeah i'm and still then, pretty full playing card yeah then every once in a while when i hate myself i'll play returnal for a few hours and remember why i hate that game i but the mood is so good yeah <laughs> I, it, it's it's just got this comfort level to it. It's like when I play the Dead Space remake and then I get scared shitless for a couple hours and right and sleep evades me. <laughs> I had to watch Last of Us today during the day. <laughs> it was just like, nope, not going to bed to that one. <laughs> yeah, let's we'll talk about hey, let's talk yeah. about it now. Last of Us episode number eight. Oh, so well done. Couple things. Um, no real complaints, right? It was very cool seeing Troy Baker. For those of you who don't know, mm -hmm. Troy Baker uh, was kind of like the secondary douche in this episode. Uh, and he was the original voice and of the voice of Joel in the video games. Yeah, he does does a lot of work yeah, in the video game industry. Yeah, tons of work. Tons yeah. of work. He's in Uncharted. He's he's in everything. He's in everything. He's in everything. Yeah. Has a very successful podcast as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was cool seeing him. It was very cool seeing him. Uh, he did a very good job there. Uh, but the episode itself, right, like, I think the changes they made and to compact everything that happened, you know, was yeah. very smart, very well done. You know, Ellie traumatized and then i think that that really played off well right um yep. uh, and i really enjoyed it really enjoyed the episode R huge shift for the ellie character really setting this yeah finale up and right like we're, we're really starting to see the ellie that we see in the second game now yeah like this was a complaint that I've seen or an observation. Nobody's really complaining about the show from what I can see. Well, nobody that I care about, put it that way. But uh, I'm seeing that people are saying that they're a little bit creeped out by how long Ellie's taking to come around. They weren't sure if it was written that way, 
or if it was Bella Ramsey's interpretation of the character or, you know, the show's interpretation of it, whatever. But we know that she's going to come around and you could already feel her character was coming around to where she's at emotionally in The Last of Us. Uh, she's a little bit quicker in, in the game. But with this this episode, you could I uh, I don't know I I I was happy to have to consult the box at Kleenex because um, it was just overwhelmingly good on that front to see yep. that that connection is finally at its pinnacle where it needs to be walking into this final episode. Yep, that's exactly so, it. I think yeah, there was a couple they, things, right? I think they wanted to wait for this moment for Joel and Ellie's relationship to really flourish, right? Where we get, yeah. you know, the, the the huge line at the end where he's like essentially the father figure now, right? Yep. Um, I think they wanted to do last week's episode and everything that happened in the mall to show you how Ellie has progressed, where she came from, mm -hmm. and her being forced to mature, uh, you know, various times. So I think that it was just a lot of roads coming together right now in that specific moment at the very end of the episode. Uh, so I think that it was done on purpose overall. Uh, and it really will lead to a very emotional finale because, well, you know, it's, 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 it's for those who have played the game, know exactly more or less what's going to come. Uh, and, uh, you know, where the characters are right now, it's going to lead for a very impactful uh, ending. Yep. And and I'll say this in summary because I'd forgotten. I haven't looked at the video game. Like, I, I've dabbled around with the PS5 version, but I've not gone to this stage where any, there's a lot of gameplay, a lot of differences between... The show and the game, the show is just much more efficient at stuff as it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And I'd forgotten about this episode, and then I rem I remembered it just as it was getting going. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, just like you summarized. How are they going to get through this? Like, is this going to be stretching over the this episode and next episode? Then they're going to be rushing the ending? Or is next episode going to be three hours long? Because there's easily some of the most traumatic and intense gameplay and gameplay dynamics are done on this level. And the story arc, everything just really comes to a climax in this level on that front, right? Because you have to resolve this issue with Pedro or with Joel and, and things like that with his injury. And, and Ellie has just so much that she has to experience in this episode, but they did it wonderfully. I gotta say, they got they hit all the points that I felt it was very complete. It reminded me of the game, and I was just like, "It's exactly what I've told all my friends going into it without a spoiler." Saying the things you need to fear the most in the show are not the zombie cortisone things. The things you need to fear the most in the show are going to be the people. Right? Like, they are the thing that gave me the most unsettled feeling in the, in playing this game the first time through. It was just how disappointed I was 
with how humanity turns on itself. Yes. Right? Because the zombie, the, the cortisone zombie things, the fungus people want to eat the people. Now the people want to eat the people. Everybody's eating people. Right? That That's the most <laughs> fucked up part, right? It's seeing just how how humanity just falls and, and folds on itself, right? Like, I think that's, to me, the biggest takeaway, right? And it's a similar yep. look. The Walking Dead did this as well, right? Yep. And that's the beauty of these shows, where it's more about the civilization or lack thereof uh, that takes over the everything else. Here in Last of Us, it, we get we get it to the extreme, right? Yeah, I I, I like... Walking Dead did a great job of this, but you're right. I like the the tone on this because this was the one that I had the most visceral response to in the playout. Like it, it, Walking Dead was just starting to be a show. It was already the comic. It was just starting to get momentum around the time that I was playing this game. This game held my attention much better. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I know that a lot of gamers out there will credit this with being one of those experiences that alerted and then was reinforced. And, you know, even movies like, what is it, 28 Days, things like that, you learn a similar type of message. It's delivered on almost all fronts. People are the scary bit. But, hey, we keep on forgetting about it, and it's a compelling story. Like, it yeah. really is. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm I'm like, look, I'm stoked for what's to come. Who knows how long we're gonna have to wait for a season two to happen? Uh, that's the one shitty part about these uh, HBO shows. Sometimes it's like two years in between seasons. Uh, but you know, seeing how they portrayed this commune compared to where Tommy is was very cool. I kind of like the yeah the the juxtaposition position just a position between the two right and the, yep. the the yin and yang of the two um and then you know seeing where we're going to be going for the second season or third season of well in the second game i should say uh, and and, and oh. seeing parts of humanity there oh my god it's gonna be crazy yeah it's it's gonna be a wild ride and again credit where credit's due how many times have we seen a video game adaptation fail? This is the story, the template on how to do it right. Yep, exactly. So congratulations to the team um, at HBO. Yep. Because they just knocked it out of the park. They they getting the writers like Neil Druckmann involved and 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 becoming part of the process and whatnot. I think it takes a page out of probably one of the shows we're going to discuss this week, Mandalorian. But it takes a page out of that with having Dave Filoni directly involved in that live action stuff from going from the cartoons and whatnot, another medium, a lot of the same way that you're writing a video game and bringing them into live action. Smart move, smart play. Right. It's the pairing of a TV guy with, you know, the exact producer of Chernobyl, a, a proven mm -hmm. TV guy. Uh, and a proven video game person and letting them actually collaborate and create magic, right? Like, that's that's the formula. I don't understand why comic book movies can't do this. I don't understand, you know, like, uh, they bring on people, but sometimes it's the wrong people, uh, you know, for consulting. But, you see, this is the formula that should work. People who understand yeah. the source material 
and people who understand the medium that they're going to be using. Yeah, and that's a really good point, with especially with the comic books, because I think a lot of the time you can read a comic book and you can get a totally different experience out of it than maybe what was intended. It's almost like it's being it's reading it and maybe taking it too literal. Uh, maybe putting your own emotions into characters, reading between the lines, things like that. And there's a lot of people who do get it. Yep. But I think at the end of the day, I think a movie movie person's perspective on writing this stuff is such that they, they make a list or they have an idea of what they want to achieve with it. And that might be at odds with what the actual message is with the comic. And like not only at odds, but exact opposites. You know what yep. I mean? Like... Sometimes it just feels like that, and then you you bring on this person as a consultant, and let's say they give you their advice, but if the studio and the executives aren't going to be beholden to following that advice, yeah, 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 squawk, 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 I'm going to do this now because this is my project, and I need to put my name on it, and that makes it mine, and I think ego's getting there, man. Look, okay. it could work. Chris Nolan proved that that works, doing mm -hmm. exactly what you said. Um, you know, he his for his version of Batman was far different than anything we've seen, and vast not vastly different, but different enough from the source material. Then you have the Snyderverse, exact same thing, and mm -hmm. but that's just like you know, uh, Zack Snyder just basically said, "No, this is mine, and and and." This is my interpretation of it. And, you know, you get the difference between the Nolanverse and the Snyderverse. Yeah. But I, I think in both those cases, they do, both guys have a passion for it. I'm more concerned about some of the other properties that get, you know, adapted and just train wrecks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Some people don't you understand the, the source material, right? Yeah, and that's that's my biggest thing, and I'm pretty sure that the creators are probably involved in some consultation. And they're just locked in a room, given a, a, a food, and and they throw away the key, right? It's yep. just like, oh, let's let them figure it out. <laughs> We're not listening to them. So here's a fun little stat. So yesterday's episode of The Last of Us, episode 8, in its premiere, its first showing at 9 p.m. Eastern, on HBO reaches 8.1 million viewers. Oof. That's a season high. They've gone up 74% from the series wow. debut. Wow. That's How crazy impressive. is that? That's very impressive. This this was one of the times that I normally stay up late on Sunday nights and wait for it to appear on my legitimate <coughs> plex but i decided you know what i'm going to bed i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna avoid social <laughs> just yep do a daytime watch on this one because yeah that's amazing though great numbers Congratulations great numbers amazing that. numbers love to see that uh you know it's hit it's for sure hit the mainstream that's for damn sure while well, we're talking when I, go ahead when my team's chat lights up at work today and two of the chats are about the last of us and no one's ever brought it up to me before 
and they already know I know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like, and one of the guys is overseas in Ireland, and he's just like, Phil, um, <laughs> I had to watch this pretty late last night. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's oh. crazy. It's crazy. Um, while we're talking TV, let's talk shrinking. What a Oof. show. Honestly. It, it kind of sucks that it is on Apple TV Plus because I don't know how many people pay attention to what's on Apple TV Plus. I've never seen numbers. It's hard to get a gauge. Obviously, people watch Apple TV Plus because, you know, shows like um, Ted Lasso Ted are doing Lasso. fantastic, <laughs> uh, you know, and whatever. But Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest. Yep. Do not sleep on shrinking. It is such a good show. Harrison Ford honestly just kills me. His character is amazing. I'll say this. This week, I'd say Bella Ramsey from our last story, Last of Us, deserves a Grammy for that episode, especially Emmy. the last 10 minutes. Or Emmy, sorry. Emmy for that in the last 10 minutes. I would say Harrison Ford deserves an Emmy for this week's episode of Shrinking because that was some of the most intense drama that I've seen from an actor, I did not see it coming from him. I expected him to be the carmungel dude who's old on the show, which he's been doing like an ace. Yeah. But this confrontation with his daughter in that show was so emotional and so powerful to me that for this little shrinky-dink com comedy, man, it's got legs. Like... Oh, such a good show, people. I, it I, really is. I so can't good. spoil it. You can watch the trailer for it. It basically is like Jason Segal saying that he's going to start leveling with his patients, and then chaos begins, and you just get into the lives of these people, and they're, they're therapists, and you realize that they have, you know, crappy, weird lives, too. And they, yeah, it's an interesting comedy slash drama, dramatic ride along for all of their escapades. Yep. And some of them are more relatable than others, but they're all very good at being awkward. <laughs> yes. If anything, that's for damn it, sure. it reminds me a lot of Ted Lasso season two. Yes, because season it, it really two does. was a lot of stuff about the therapy and character growth, and it's still happy, but still just had these episodes that hit, and yeah, same with shrinking, and it's the same writing crew. Like there's elements of that writing crew. The guy who plays Roy Kent is one of is one of the writers of Shrinking, and he's also a writer on Ted Lasso. I exactly. forget the yep. guy's name, and you can you Hercules. can see that influence, right? Um, yep. Especially like when when I say like they're both ha at the core of it happy go lucky shows right yeah there's drama yep. yeah shit's gonna hit the fan but at the end of the day they're just happy shows and that's really why I loved Ted Lasso so much because you know there's just so much I don't even want to say negativity but just so many things that can get you down when watching TV even shows like Last of Us sometimes right um, it's yep. always fun to just watch a show that just at the core of it makes you happy. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. 
It's it's such a a relief each week. Brett Goldstein. Um, it's such a relief each week to turn on a show and know that you're gonna have a smile on your face. Maybe you'll have a tear in your eye, but it's gonna be a healthy tear. And the show's gonna earn it. It's not gonna be a cheap it's not gonna be a cheap cry. Yeah. So you know, a little heartache, whatever. You don't have to tear up. You just got to feel something. And and you still get the little hit of happiness. The week before, Harrison Ford was drunk and high. Probably some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That last episode, yeah. Uh, previous to Fridays. Yeah, dude, it was yeah. so good. So funny. Eating the Doritos. <laughs> Just... Oh man, there's so many moments. So so subtle. Not a big deal, but just so well done. It's just the details, man. Yep. Speaking of Ted Lasso, that's coming out next Wednesday. Really looking forward to that. I think this season's gonna be very different. Uh but you know, again, I, I think that it will be very good at the same time. They've been saying that there was only intended three seasons, and yep. this is the third season. However, there is chatter. A season four might be happening because those numbers we don't see um, must be very good on Apple TV. Must be. And they seem to be doubling down on Saka because uh, they've got the MLS season pass on there too, of which we are subscribed yep. as season's ticket holders. So it's interesting to see all the different things that Apple are doing. And all the different areas that they are spreading their wings into. I yeah. think they have severance too, right? Uh, they do. They do. That's a big feather in their hat. They have some good movies there as well. Yep. Uh, you know, they've 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 they have a good track record on Apple. Like they really do. Yeah, they're not like Netflix who typically green lights a show, gets you all amped about it, and pulls the plug on it. They they just released uh season three of mythic quest so like this is some quality programming for me it's one of my better value services i'm debating cutting netflix and i'm gonna keep apple tv and disney like it's it's kind of crazy those those would probably be two that i wouldn't think i'd go be going hard on but well what helped disney right was the whole star right getting all their tv stuff there uh, it really expanded outside of just Disney, seeing a lot of the Fox shows and whatnot there. So that that kind of helped it overall. Yeah, and this whole Wednesday update. So you get like the new Bob's Burgers. You get the new How I Met Your Father. You get the new, you know what I mean? Like Wednesday's hit on Disney Plus and all of the titles update for the week shows. So it's like if you miss a live to air, no problem. It's, it's going to show up on Apple TV, right? It's It's... It's a good little system that they got going on on that side. But, you know, my, my biggest dig is that little that little tab called Star Wars. Because <laughs> I've been watching The Bad Batch, too, right? Season two of The Bad Batch has been something that I've been digging into. I don't really talk about it too much because it is a little bit of a kid show. But yep. it it's more up the alley of where we wanted The Bad Batch to go season one. Is happening in season two. I know. That's what I'm hearing. I'm waiting for all of it to release, and then I'm going to just uh, binge it. But I yeah, keep I'm hearing, hearing this week's 
season two is, is exactly what we wanted out of season one. A bit, it's still a kitty show, kitty esque yep. show, still kid friendly, but it is a little more story driven, a little more serious than season one was. That's what I keep hearing. A little more about the transition from clones to stormtroopers. A little more about some of the other IP being brought in. Jedi Fallen Order has an episode in this. In terms of they go to a world that had some Zepho on it. Ooh. And get caught up in some conundrums due to that, just like the video game. And it was so funny because people who haven't played the video game are calling it out on Twitter going, another filler episode. And the all of us who played the video game were like, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> That was just like... It was just so much, and they didn't ever once say the word Zepho in there. It was just those who knew, knew. And it was it was interesting, but apparently this week's episode is unbelievable. Now, they, they released, I think, the first 13 episodes to some of the podcasters and show reviewers on YouTube, and then the last two episodes they withheld. This one was the last one. I believe that the previewers got to see. Right. So kudos to everybody for not spoiling it. I know that you committed to it, but I'm glad to see that you actually went through with it from what I can tell. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see it, if anything, close up so that I just feel less pressure to be glued to my television on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, sure. I'm working. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, that's sometimes when I get my the best TV in is like right before work, right, like you know during my breaks between meetings or something like that. Yeah, lunch break. You know, it's like, oh, okay, great. As long as Mandalorian keeps on clocking in around half an hour, I'm good. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Mandalorian. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. That'll kind of be mm -hmm. our main thing. So if people haven't noticed this week, it's just Phil and I. Uh, uh, Tyler isn't feeling the best this week So he asked us to kind of uh, uh, Go ahead And we were planning some episodes And some topics uh, Topics to yours uh, But uh, yeah I think this week We're just we're just doing like a catch up Because they're really like you, you summed it up best Phil Because really it's been a very quiet week Overall It has I kind of let any of the video game Stuff out at the top Um if anything, I thought that we were going to talk about the streaming service stuff. I think this was our week to do that, but there's no point in doing it without Tyler because his contribution exactly. uh, would be immense on it. So, yep. you know, we, I think we do our audience justice by doing this little uh, uh, exchange this way and just yeah. putting the effort out there to get an episode out to entertain everyone. Exactly. Uh, and honestly, I've just been so busy and I took the weekend off. Like I really not off. I, okay. I, I spent it by my, like did my, did my own thing. Uh, so that was really needed, really fun. Um, so that's, yeah, I that's, don't know how you do the podcast you do, dude. <laughs> I don't either. Honestly, I don't either. Uh, it's insane. I know. Creed 3. So I watched Creed 3 on Thursday. I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. It has the same formula as every other Rocky movie. What I really appreciate about Creed and Rocky movies and any movie that comes out 
that clocks in in around two hours is the fact that it clocks <laughs> in in around two hours. Uh, I was having this conversation <laughs> with people where it's just becoming becoming a huge task to watch a movie sometimes. You know, when you're being asked for a three-hour movie, you know, yeah. in one sitting, in a theater, blah, 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 blah. It's a lot to ask for sometimes. Dank and moist. Yeah, exactly. I I agree. I, like, people phobic aside, for me, uh, it it it's just too much because, you know, the older I get, the more I'm on meds that make me go to the washroom. <laughs> so if I don't have a pause button, man, <laughs> there's no way. No way. But it, as well, I think that a lot of it has to do with, I'm curious to know. Doesn't have a lot to do with like uh, TikTok of the world, the 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 short attention span. The I think so. The YouTube, I think, the YouTube shorts, the th- the the reels. I the think kids are saying what really started this, and I actually talked about this on another podcast. Uh, that was Twitter. Was really the when things really start changing. Right when you had 120 mm. or whatever it was characters to get your idea across, right? So everything yeah. became micro at that point. Around yeah. the same little few years later, you had things like Vine, right, where it was only yeah. a few seconds, and that's how we consume a lot of media now, right? It's it, and like I don't know about you, but like personally, I used to hate pausing a movie. Watching it after because I had something to do, right? But now mm-hmm. I frequently do that. Like I'll pause a movie in the middle, do whatever I have to do, and come back to it when I have the time again. Yep. I I, I just find that right now I'm on that journey of, okay, I don't have TikTok and I probably never will. But I've seen YouTube shorts come up. And in that same line of what you're talking about with Vine and everything like that, I see YouTube shorts come up. I avoid them at all costs because Same. I just find that that's garbage and I hate channels that go hard into shorts because it clutters the channel for me to get the good long-form content. And for me personally, I've noticed that in Instagram, the push on reels. And they are addictive and they are a big time sink. I can be sitting there with food in the air fryer or whatever grab Instagram, go through some reels looking for some fart jokes to send my brother. Yep. And literally, my head looks up, ding, and I'm like, oh, shit, I meant to go and flip that in the middle. You know what I mean? And it's done cooking. Like, I've been sitting here 18 minutes now, and I I only have one fart joke, and I've watched, like, 18 minutes of reels. Dude. You know? <sighs> this happens a lot. My friend and I. All we do is uh, is is um, pass each other reels or tag each other in reels and stuff and and Facebook stuff and whatnot and it's just like the amount of time I spend looking at this shit is I'm embarrassed to even say how much time like it's so bad it is so bad and there's an effect from that right and that's what I mean like sometimes I sit down and I watch even a half hour show. And I'm tormented. Yep. I feel tormented. 
And then there's other times, hey, the media is really, really good. And I sit down, and then I realize it was two and how two hours forty five minutes of runtime on X shows. You know, I just watched consecutive back to back to back. It was so good, it didn't bother me. But those are also the times that I'm being the most disconnected from my phone. I'm physically moving that phone away, and the worst part for me is that. I need my phone to monitor my health sometimes because I wear one of those little blood pox, right? So yeah. I can get my readings. So even in the theater, I would potentially need to be just, you know, looking at something. Is this going to be a problem for me? You know what I mean? Like I need to just get a quick read or there's an automatic alert if certain thresholds happen. And things like that. So we're we're just becoming so the the device is becoming so indispensable and it's just that need to always check it. Like Dude. Okay. We're yeah. recording this show. When I record this show, I don't really check um social media and stuff, right? Yeah, but same here. I usually have my phone beside me just because it's there, right? Right now mm -hmm. it's far away from me. And I feel so weird knowing that. And I hate that so much. I hate that feeling, uh, the relying on having my phone. And, like, work is one thing, right? But I, I don't even, uh, like, I've turned off all notifications for my work email. I'll check it on my own time. Um, it's just so much clutter, right? Especially yeah. now that I only use one phone. Uh, but, yeah, just so the, my, 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 for lack of a better term, dependency on my phone. It's just ridiculous. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. I think it's a combination of that in our in our brains. And sometimes it's not great film making. Sometimes these guys, these these companies are making long movies because I think it's just what they want to do. They could cut out so much to get the movie down to an hour and a half or two hours. But they leave so much in, and maybe it's a little bit of that Snyder cut thing, too, where it's like, well, we're going to make all these cuts and leave it on the floor, and then fans are just going to get up in arms. How come we heard about this scene, and this is not in it? We want to see, you know, the Avatar person do this, and we want to see that, so let's make it three and a half hours. <laughs> just, okay. The other issue, also, that we haven't talked about is the streaming services, right? This is actually in my notes for today's episode, or what was going to be today's episode. And that's, you know, our studios, I don't want to say forcing or suggesting, but keeping the door open to directors doing what they want because that's more content on their own services. That's a possibility. That's... That's an interesting point, too. You know, if if you put it on tape and throw it up there, somebody will watch it. It's better Netflix, than not having it at look all. Look at what Netflix yeah. does, right? Like Netflix green, green lights everything under the sun, right? And whatever sticks, sticks. Uh, you know, and that's the difference with like we just mentioned earlier between Netflix and like a Dis and an Apple, right? Um, yeah. Right. Apple is very selective about their projects. Yeah. And Netflix. Hey, man, like. I'm not complaining about it, but Sandman's the only show I've seen that had like extra content. 
they dropped episodes like a week later. It was fantastic. Yeah. That was crazy when they did that. <laughs> I loved it. Just loved it. Both stories were so good, too. Can yeah. I say? Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that next season. I know. Thank goodness it got greenlit. So, yeah. I feel lucky. I feel very Did lucky. you see over the weekend uh, the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and oh. uh, all the villains and the characters and and all that fun stuff? Did you Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of green ooze yep. that came out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I used to always say this about comic book movies, and I know I've been proven wrong now, but before, it was always difficult, and I found that the more characters in a particular movie, kind of that's when movies went south. For example, Batman and Robin. We had the three heroes, Batman, Robin, Batgirl, and then you had, you know, you had uh, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy and Bane, so it was, you know, <laughs> like just a lot of a lot of characters, and it always went, you know, you 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 bring that up against, you know, Batman, like a Batman Returns, you know, where it was just three characters total, or Batman, where it was just two characters, right? So more was more, and and I found that the more characters you had, it was harder for you to focus and get a real story and blah 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 yep. blah blah, right? X Men kind of had that issue. As yep. the franchise, like the original trilogy, as the franchise became more popular. One of many issues. <laughs> well, yes, one of many issues. Anyways, so what I'm getting at here is with this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'm interested and curious to see just how they're going to work all this in. Because you have Bebop and Rocksteady, you have Genghis Frog, you have Leatherhead, you have Mondo Gecko, you have Ray Fillet, you have Wingnut, Baxter Stockman. Uh, you know, yeah. then you have, um, Krang and others. Oh man, I didn't realize that. It's, hey, just to, just to add to your list of superhero movies that get watered down with, with volume, The Eternals. <laughs> Sorry. Big one. That's a, that probably one of the big I just needed to take another kick at that one. <laughs> Black Widow also had that issue. Yeah, did actually. Among Disney, others, <laughs> I'm, I'm just pointing it out because, like, I'm like Disney aren't immune to it either. But yeah, that's a that's a full scope and it's animated. So the good news is, because it's animated, they can do that. The, the, the you're right in pointing out. Is there the writing chops to pull that off though? Because <laughs> that right. is a lot. So we're going to be looking at some kind of greatest hits thing and the I thing is like There's some of these characters some might be very minor they might make just make a quick appearance it might right? be cameos but yeah you know i'm assuming baxter stockman is going to be the main villain i'm just assuming that seems to be yeah. how they go giancarlo esposito is playing baxter stockman cannot wait for that mm. nice right good talent on that Oh yeah, they and it's some... actually the the turtles are voiced by actual teenagers. The turtles, yes, they are. Fantastic! They're... That's yep. that's a great idea. Yep, I just think are. overall, I I I saw the one of our friends that we've done a couple shows with the comic book couples council counseling, Brad and Lisa. 
they tweeted out because they're in Seattle at the Comic-Con this weekend and they were flying home, but they were excited about this and tweeted out the trailer for it. So I watched the trailer on my cell phone. So I, I saw all the names going slapping on in the last bit. I couldn't make them out because I watched it in portrait. So it's yeah. like widescreen portrait and posted stamp. Yep. But, so that's coming up yeah. August 4th. Really looking forward to that. Um, looks cool. I'm excited for this, right? Like I love TMNT. We don't talk yep. about and give TMNT the love that it res- that it deserves because uh, there hasn't really been much content for it. No, it's been quiet, and I'll be honest, I'm one of those guys that I actually fell in love with the original black and white thing. Yeah. The original um, adult language turtles uh, from Eastman and Laird. Um, those ones were my safe place, and I was lucky enough at my comic shop to get my hands on a few of those original issues and also get my, you know, what every fan did at the time is buy those turtle omnibuses right and they're just all the black and white and some of them are colorized things like that but all the turtles had red bandanas yeah and i had a tough time because when they launched the it would have been at a time i think where you were a little more susceptible as the target market but they nickelodeoned the the teenage mutant ninja turtles right and they 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 got to be that kind of the play school toys that came out and the cowabunga dude yep. kind of they thing. Became and the turtles that we know, not the more adult version. Yeah, it's more of the, the pop culture pizza and, you know, like all those little things, which is fine. I, I'm happy to have the party bus include everybody. I'm not one of these people that's, but for me, the turtles will always be this hard-edged, you know, hardcore, foul-mouthed, um, challenged teenagers that are struggling to f- find their identity in the world and wanting to kick ass and take numbers, you know, and, and that's what they do. So Casey Jones and Shredder and April O'Neil and everything were very gruff and gritty characters to me and then when i saw the the cartoony versions and the henson production ones i was just like it's a feat of magic but yeah it's also a little bit alien to me well the first movie was a little more adult yeah it was a little more on point right but i i just like those themes right and you you can't do it ever read and i think you like you just talking about like you know you like the more rugged adult uh, version of the turtles did you read uh the last ronin so that was released a couple years ago and it is by eastman and laird no i will have to go and check this out dude it is honestly so good essentially all the turtles are dead except for one oof that sounds like it's up my alley yeah it's so good such Who a good read. And I would love for this to be turned into a movie. Uh, I don't know if they would ever do it because it is so violent. It, it, like, it's yeah, adult. This a, is good. John and, Wick. You know, if you know anything about Eastman and Laird, the fact that they're working together again is huge. Is mind-blowing in itself because yeah. that's like... That's like Jesus making up with Judas. Like, right? Well... <laughs> it's, 
that's it, the it thing, is. right? Like, and, and what you described in terms of the kidification, the Nickelodeonification of the Turtles is essentially what broke up Eastman and Laird. Yep. Yeah, I I saw that episode on the Netflix. The, they had an episode toys about that, this in one uh, of their in the yeah. toys that made us. Yes, um, they had a full episode on that war between Eastman and Laird and how bad it got. And I just remember the story that got me so excited about the store the 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 turtles was, and it's just like going into a video game shop or the way going into a video video game shop was is that you talk to the guy behind the counter and he would tell you what he wanted you to know to get you to buy it. And it was like, this was done by a bunch of guys who were out drinking at the bar and they were so hammered and they came up with this idea about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they made some sketches on some bar napkins and then they woke up the next morning and looked at these bar napkins and went, that's not bad. You know, there's something there. I, I want to go draw this now. I want to go flesh it out. Yep. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I know that watching the Eastman Laird thing, Laird thing, it was a little bit. There was some accuracy to it, but that that got me hooked on. I need to get this book. Where do you keep? It? Like, is it in alphabetical order here? Because I gotta go. I gotta go grab that. Is yeah, fantastic for a kid my age at that time reading Sandman. This was like my counterweight for funnies, but just really violent. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And you know what's funny? Like, Eastman and Laird still don't fully get along, right? Like, they. No, they never will. They'll work together ish, but it's yeah, very, money. very rare for them to even do interviews together. Uh, they did an interview recently uh, uh, on, on some show. And again, it's so so rare for them to to come together. It just it's so sad too, right? Such an iconic piece of pop culture, or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and uh, just seeing you know it was very very ch- very chasing Amy of them the way that they broke up. Very, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Yeah. So really, really looking forward to the TMNT. I love like I, I love the property that uh so really getting something some new content back is going to be really 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 cool um are you watching any other star trek shows uh i've only watched the first episode of picard yep i have to go back and open up the other two um, I like I was saying, I believe I skipped season two. I watched season one, I skipped season two. But I started watching season three just because I'm um social pressure. <laughs> and I've just been wanting to, to go down memory lane. But yeah, episode one had, had bite to it. I liked yep. it. I liked what yep. I saw. A lot of a lot of cameos coming out of the blue. Cameos, which I'm Good. really enjoying. Did yeah, it, I know on the commercial season. I saw data. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So Brent Spiner, um, that was my only time going to a Star Trek convention. The only real nerd convention I went to, Brent Spiner was the guest speaker there. I like Brent Spiner. He's a very smart guy. I do too. All right. We're at the hour mark. One last thing to talk about. You know what that is. Let's talk some Mandalorian season three, episode one. 
Uh, what you think of the show, man? What you think? Like, I know we kind of talked a little bit, but I tried to keep our, our, our comments to a minimum so that we can have the best conversation here. Because, uh, again, it's so funny, right? Like, you and I, I consider you one of my best friends. But we barely talk just because of this this awesome podcast. Yep. Yeah, we, we, we compartmentalize. Um, I first watch of this episode, I had a really tough time. Yes, same. I, no, I wouldn't say task, but I liked it. But, but there were things, there was problems. I, 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 I had to sit down and try to figure out why I'm having these problems right now. Well, it's very different, right? Like it was a recent. It's essentially this a, isn't reset. A, a talk a reset. with the doctor about your fiber intake. This is a different problem. But yes, it. I got used to Andor. Yeah, and that's on me. I had zero expectation going into this, so I thought I was good and clear. And upon that first watching, the list of issues that I had, I'm just saying this to the audience so you have context, because I have worked past this right now, but the pirates were too piratey. In that space pirate, sure. No problem at all. No problem. But these guys look like they just came out of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, like they look like Johnny Depp or whatever is going to be around the corner sniping at them. Like, Jack Sparrow is going to be like, no, you don't. And Grogu with the Babu Frick people was so telegraphed. Yes. It was a cameo. That was too cameo. Yeah. I get what they're trying to do. And it is Star Wars. They do this stuff. But, man, I was cringing at that because Grogu looked like a Muppet to me in this episode. That was the first thing that you and I said was, okay, yeah, episode full reset of the show. This really set the, the... the, the, the table for what this season is going to bring. Okay, I can live past that. But the special effects seemed off in this episode at times. Yeah, like like there was times that the pirate, the head pirate guy, his face looked good, and then there was times that they did certain cuts, and it was so clearly a prosthetic mask. Like, it was like weird for me. Um, The space whales... A cringe moment, but maybe there's a reason for it. I even wow. had, like, you know, I had people so confused because there's people watching it going, Doctor Who had space whales. You know, you have you have space whales in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Why the heck does Star Wars have space whales? Because they're not used to this stuff. They're telling- and then they were complaining about the special effects of that. Yeah. And, and then to, at the episode's end with the space pirate, guy who's swamp thing i don't have a problem with the swamp thing part i have a problem with the peg leg and the horror mateys and like where make them their own thing have their own vernaculars 
separate them from the stereotype. Have some more creative fun with it, please. It's space pirates in a galaxy a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So do something that's a little bit not on the nose, but I also get kids are watching it. So I've de-escalated these points in my mind. I've re-watched it after a little bit of palate cleansing. Is it the best season opener we've had? No, they have two strong ones. Is it the worst out of the three? Yes. But is it bad? No. No. It's now I'm thinking it's Star Wars. Of course, they're going to go back and try to get IG-80 or IG-11 back up and going because, you know, it's why Star not Wars. start doing... Look. no, Nothing's dead in Star Wars. It's Star Wars. The, the, the yep. land of coincidences and cheesiness, and we just need to remember and kind of just, it's Star Wars, right? Um, yeah, I'm totally the, okay with weird off-the-wall monsters. I'm totally okay. The alligator was a little bit off-putting to me because I'm like, it's an alligator merged with a snapper, a snapping turtle shell. Like, that's it? it? Like a crate dragon was at least we finally got to see a crate dragon. You know, after all of this lore and the crate dragon bones in Tatooine and in A New Hope, I love those connective tissue moments. This one was trying to do connective tissue to the Mandalorian. The reason why IG-11 or IG-11 was so cool is because we all saw IG-88 in Empire Strikes Back and we wanted to see how that freaking thing moved. We wanted to see how it fought. Why is that thing on that platform with Boba Fett. You know, that's where our minds were as kids and any kid's minds were that see that movie now. And you get to see it in The Mandalorian season one. They're already like, okay, well, we seem to go over all the original trilogy stuff and we're going to try to stay away from everything else except for the worst movie and the Babu Frick people, which was probably the only thing that had levity in the show. (laughs) <laughs> they brought it into this. <laughs> so here's not my complaint. So you, you and I kind of talked about our complaints, right? As special effects yeah. was, eh, uh, the, the, you know, the resetting of the story. Okay, we can live with it. But here's the thing, right? Star Wars had balls. They yeah. have balls for what they did here. Because uh, if you... Don't care about Boba Fett, which is would be weird. But if let's you don't if you didn't watch that show, the book of Boba Fett, if you ignored a lot of the other stuff and you're only watching the Mandalorian because you love Grogu, you turn this on and you're like, What the hell did I miss? <laughs> right? Yep. So that's 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 one issue right there was uh kind of like you I know, had that complaint. Right? <laughs> it's like we talk about this with Tyler when we talk about the MCU and how the MCU is walking on eggshells by forcing you to watch everything. And now Star Wars is doing the same, right? Maybe Liam Neeson yep. does have a point. Maybe there are too many spinoffs. And I'm, you know, here's the thing: I'm okay with having a lot of spinoffs. It's making you forcing you to watch everything. Yeah, that's a bit of an issue because Look, here they yep. did it. They did it even in this episode, right? By the space whales. Uh, you know, because you know that they're telegraphing the return of Ezra and all that. Yep, and Thrawn. So yep. this is, but that's probably going to be telegraphed for Ahsoka. 
Yeah, but right, which will like probably have an episode, a spin-off sneaky yep. pilot in this season. Yeah, I know exactly and and that's the that's where it goes to your complaint. The only good thing that I can see out of it is it's making people really think of this as the Filoni verse or the the Mando verse. So it's like yeah, you need to watch all these things and they aren't as prolific as some other shows on streaming services. They do take their time and they are putting them out consciously. So it's like, oh, you mean I need to go watch this now? Okay, well, I got a week until that show drops, so I'll go binge it. So there is a little bit of a path of redemption there. But I am most excited for just that scene alone with Bo-Katan. Where this story is probably going to end up going is going to make it an epic season. Yes. Because, uh, you know, you know me, I was geeking the heck out when we saw the live action, um, the bombing of Mandalore, right? With all those TIE bombers, which they brought out a Lego TIE bomber. <laughs> this I love TIE bombers. They're so cool. I know. And well, if you're going to buy it in Lego, buy it this year. Because the last one was 2002 when they when they made one. So it's not a prolific model for them. But seeing that and seeing the, the how they turn Mandalore into glass and just the whole Empire's thing and knowing Bo-Katan's story in there and her sister Satine's story in there and everything like that is just going to be a treasure trove of hopefully instead of these cheap callbacks that they're doing that we're pointing out with uh, with this episode, we're going to get awesome callbacks to some of this stuff, which I'm excited for. So, you know, ham it up all you want, guys. I'm not going to I'm not going to dog your episode too much. I'm just giving you my honest reactions. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like these are 100 kind of initial wave. <laughs> it was good, right? Oh, dude, I laughed at how they explained Cara Dune's exit. Oh, I know, right? She's busy she doing got sheriff by... stuff. Because <laughs> she, she got a new job at the was, Republic. She got a new job as at the Galactic Rangers was supposed to be her spin-off show. So they yeah. actually mentioned it here first and bounced out of doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to be sitting there like, oh, God, no. <laughs> like, oh, so funny. Who's your franchise, so girl? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I I did think it was interesting because Navarro wasn't even recognizable to me. Like, well, okay, Navarro so looked into- like this is a complaint I have. Navarro looked like Galaxy's Edge. Yes, it looked it like did. a giant ad for Galaxy's Edge to me. It really did. Now. The other thing is, and this is why I don't like when things aren't specifically mentioned in canon, right? And this happens so much with Star Wars, where the writers, directors, whomever, give you tidbits about what's supposed about the show and the canon of the show outside of the show. For example, they were talking, uh, John Favreau was mentioning that the time in between, you know, that the, the Grogu was, was, was with Luke was two years so that yep. explains Navarro, but yep, you know, but but a lot of other stuff don't add up, right? When you when you yep. start throwing actual time in in this, 
Uh, and if it's not in, if it's not on screen to me, it's not in canon. Yeah, well, it's open to interpretation, right? There's going to be a comic, and then people buy the comic, and then they'll adapt it for a show and change everything. <laughs> and then that canon's more canon than the comic canon or the right? book canon. So, I look, I, I, I enjoyed seeing Grief Cargo with the little robots holding the back of his cape and Grand Chancellor instead of Chancellor and stuff like this. That. Like there was but all kinds of fun Star play, Wars humor and it's though, sometimes. And I did enjoy. I thought the 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 whole IG eighty eight Terminator two thing was a little bit cringy for me. A little bit too. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious to see Terminator meets Rocky, because what is it? Uh, Apollo Creed actually had a statue in this one, and that's what destroyed the bronze statue. Of grief, Karga took out the robot. And yeah. He never had a statue like Rocky did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good old Carl Weathers. There's a couple. There's all kinds of little jibs and jabs in there to other pop culture. So it was kind of cringy, but it was also like, ah, I'm okay with it. It was a little bit of a fun laugh, right? Like, it just felt like there was maybe too much comedy at certain points. And the things that were supposed to be serious, I ended up laughing at even harder. So yep. <laughs> that, Re- yeah. yeah, that so experience this, was weird. It really was. And I'm going to watch it again before I watch episode two. And I think that, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think we're we're, we're this season's going to be good. Yeah, and I, I will recommend if you watch it again. I watched it with a um set of headphones in Dolby Atmos, like uh, Dolby Atmos decoder. And got to say, the sound design was awesome that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, but overall, I'm really looking forward to this season. I know it sounded like we were a little negative, uh, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was and, and just a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah. A little bit of... Uh, once I, I got my toes in now, so I'm ready to go for the full swim now. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm in, I'm really enjoying this. All right, Phil. So, yeah, we'll be talking more as the, as the episodes come out. We're not going to go as in-depth as we usually do, but mm. kind of give you our thoughts, chat, stuff. And then I think, you know, what we're going to do is have like a, a retrospective episode once the season is over, uh, like we've done in the past I think we should try that out with uh, The Last of Us. Yes. Well, I, I think The Last of Us um, offers a lot of opportunity because we, we have the experience with the game. So, always good for insight. Yep. As do our audience. So, Exactly. All right. You know what time it is, Phil. I sure do. Let's see if I can actually get this right this week, shall we? If you're looking for our website, you can hit us up at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, patreon.com slash SNME uh, radio. And uh, really anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find us there. But please check out that Patreon if you could, especially if you like wrestling, because I'm telling you, it's a great place for a lot of news and a lot of updates. 
Um, yeah, if you like what you hear, make sure to leave a you know leave a subscribe button or uh, a like. Subscribe if you can. Tell your friends about the It's Can Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Phil. Thank you for listening to the It's Can Podcast. The show where we chat about anything and everything, including books, comics, video games, TV, movies, Lego, and so much more. And the best part of it all is that it is in canon. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Thank you for listening. And until next time.